Today's gospel relates in a way that um, ties into as we're moving down the road towards uh, Lent. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem here in Luke's Gospel on his way for the final encounter with the temple authorities. And um, we have this very famous story of him traveling through Samaria around Samaria on his way to Jerusalem, which is interesting because he is invading places where um, are not particularly relevant to the Jews. Anyway, and he meets these uh, guys by this village, ten of whom um, are ill. They're, they are... Th- the word lepra is used here, but it's not the word that in ancient Greek was uh, meant to be actual leprosy. Uh, the actual Greek word for leprosy used by the ancients, even in the time of Christ, was elephantisis. Elephantisis. That's the actual word for Hansen's disease, the actual word for leprosy. Lepra actually covered any kind of discoloration any kind of problem with skin or the external appearance of a person. Now we see that it's interesting in in a crisis and difficult situation how people band, and that's why you have leper colonies. But again, that's more specifically the Hansen's disease. Back then, um, if you had bad acne, you probably would have been considered uh, lepra in that way. And even if your clothing had a discoloration or some kind of materials had a, a weird discoloration and so forth. That was considered problematic in that way. But we know the story, and we know how Jesus goes, and um, they're yelling, have mercy on me. It's interesting. Epitastis, the, um, uh, they're calling him master, which is um, most of the time the only people that use that phrase, master, are his actual disciples. So I don't know if if that's a a matter of Luke looking forward to the fact that uh, some of them will become actual disciples and so forth. And notice they're not asking for healing. They're only saying, yelling, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. So anyway, um, I think about this in that way. And excuse me while I try to get the text back up here. Okay, yeah. When, he, when Jesus sees them, he says, go show yourselves to the priest. And uh, we know what that means, is the fact that the priest had to pronounce their condition. He had to give a diagnosis. In the temple, the priest had to, um, that authority, that, that role that they played. While they're on the way, uh, they're healed of whatever and all the diseases they may have had. And they're all excited. They're all excited. And I'm sure this was very, very uh, traumatic and, and so forth in, in, in any kind of way. I mean, think of what was the greatest day of your life. What was one of the greatest events that ever happened to us in our personal lives, whether it be marriage, whether it be something with career, school, 
birth of our children, all those kinds of things. What was the, the greatest event? And here the, these guys are thinking, here they've been isolated from uh, their relationships in the community and so forth um, because they had to be separate. Uh, people would, if they got too near to other people, they would have rocks thrown at them and, and being yelled at, get away from here. They're totally ostracized from the community. They couldn't go to synagogue. They couldn't go see family. They couldn't do anything. And suddenly, they come from that situation to now they are totally made well. And they are so focused that this is the day, this is the day my sickness left me. This is the day my sickness left me. And I understand being excited, but the interesting thing that we see here is the one who comes back. The one who comes back. And it's interesting that he comes back and he offers thanks. And I don't know if we see the difference here. The nine guys were excited that they were totally well. They were totally excited that their illnesses were gone. Their, their means of being isolated and away from everything was such a now been had totally reversed. But the one guy is excited that he found the one who could destroy that isolation and that death. See, we get excited about the blessings that God gives us. <laughs> the blessings. And Jesus, his whole ministry in his lifetime, even though he come for the, the house of Israel, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, he winds up doing these weird things by interacting with people that are marginalized. Uh, when he asks the question, and it's interesting, that I think we need to understand this in, in dialogue at the time, he asks a, a, a couple of questions where he says, we're not ten made clean. And we have to envision a pause. Nobody responds. But the other nine, where are they? Again, a pause. Usually, when you have a string of questions like that, that means nobody's answering. Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this? What well, says foreigner here? Now, he was a Samaritan, which means he was a Jewish per se. But the word for foreigner that um, he uses, alogenies, the other place that's found historically is, and archaeologists have dug this up, where they found remnants of the temple in Jerusalem, and one of them was a sign for the court of the Gentiles. Now, you could as a Gentile enter the, the, the temple, but only go so far. And if you went beyond that, it was at risk of the temple guards coming and killing you. And this is addressed to the Allogenes, those who are born outside or elsewhere, outside of the Jewish ethnic situation. And Jesus uses the same word that's used in the temple. And he's making a very powerful point here. 
that now with him, the Alogenis, the people would be just marginalized just because they were born a certain ethnic racial situation, would have been excluded from the worship of the temple, now can come directly into the presence of the real God. And the, and the challenge for all of us is, do we really, do we really look at being re- with Jesus, no matter where we are? Are we excited about Christ himself encountering us versus the side blessing? And there's nothing wrong with, with enjoying those blessings. Don't get me wrong, but it, it, it sometimes isn't about Christ. You know, somebody gets healed of a disease. Thank God. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Somebody comes into some blessing uh, that gets them out of a financial difficulty and so forth. Yes, yes. Those, you can celebrate those things. There's nothing wrong with celebrating those things. But it seems to transcend something else. And the fact that what it means to be a Christian is that the celebration is that I've had an encounter and a connection with the actual God who has defeated death. See, the flip side is true of this. If we celebrate all the blessings we have, we get very upset at the blessings we don't have and get angry at God, ourselves, each other. We can't let go. We're constantly in misery, and people come to know us as people that are in misery. As the Greek would say, you see everything black. And the, the thing is, are we excited about this encounter? When we come to liturgy, are we coming realizing that we're coming to have an encounter with God? Not to simply get things blessed. Not simply just for our physical well-being or emotional well-being or financial well-being or whatever well-being we want. But to have an encounter with God. And when we have an encounter with God, it changes us. It changes us. Because that's what gives us the different perspective. That's what gives us the perspective. And it's from that standpoint that we see what Paul is saying here in Colossians. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not the things on earth. Because you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, not my spouse, not my children, not my job, not my whatever group, my politics, my finances, my education, but when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And that's a challenge for all of us. That what we bring to other people, and hopefully we bring to other people, is the encounter with Christ himself. And yes, with all that goes with it. I'm not talking about a minimalist kind of approach of Christianity that's say the magic prayer and that's okay, or keep things at a minimum, or you do it your way. I mean, we are trying to embrace what all the apostles have revealed to us and taught us about Jesus and to put it into practice. Yes, no question. But even in the midst of that, are we looking to encounter Christ? Not how many candles can we light, not how many icons can we kiss, 
or how many times of silence we can have in meditation and whatever, the encounter with Christ and Christ encountering us. Because that's what we're celebrating. When we pray over us in the bread and the wine, it's Christ. This actual union, encountering union with Christ, that does result in healing, that does result in us seeing with his eyes. And the healing, that's the healing, is that we become the presence of Jesus. I was listening to uh, a documentary that was done recently on the Jonathan Rumi, who is playing Jesus in the series uh, The Chosen. And in the, the, uh, the discussion, the uh, documentary, I can talk here, is how does playing Jesus affect you? And he talks about people looking at him as if he, you know, he were Jesus, coming, hugging him, crying, and everything else. Just by him acting like Jesus in a movie. Now, he's a real Christian man. He's a real Christian man. So, you know, Christ is very much the center of his life. But he's blown away by the fact of representing Jesus. And that's the call. It's not necessarily as an actor, to, but actually, how do I become and be Jesus for others? And that's what the church is about. So when people encounter us, are they encountering Jesus? You know, and I think about that, you know, as a priest. I'm, just walking, I'm watching the documentary, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, well, I'm a priest, and, you know, and so forth. But it's, it has nothing to do with just being the priest, because all of us are called to the priesthood of Christ. All of us are called to be ikona Christu to the rest of the world. And we think about that when we lose, and hear this as, as somebody who struggles with my own stuff, losing patience, getting angry, not being forgiving, holding grudges, being arrogant, being like, I'm not like those people, and I don't want to be like them, or whatever the fill-in-the-blank is type of thing. Look what they did to me 50 years ago, blah, 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 blah. The call is to be Jesus. Because the word Christ, even, which was an appellation thrown on us by the Romans to make fun of us, that we are Christ in miniature. And we can be Christ because Christ has come to us and taken our human reality into himself, all our DNA, and is present even in this, right now, right now. And that's why when Christ appears at the end of time, this will reveal. This will be revealed as Christ. If we are, of course, connecting with him. So let us pray that we, we, we understand that this is about becoming Christ and, and encountering Christ. Letting Christ encounter us in order to become Jesus. Become Jesus. In a world that's very selfish. In a world that encourages us to be selfish. That encourages us to just look for our own self, number one. In a, in a situation where we feel we can't be forgiving. Because in the end, in the crosses in our lives, can we forgive the way Jesus forgave from the cross? 
And if we can't, then we can't be with him after we pass out of this life. That the room in heaven is for Christ and those who are drawn to him and encounter him. And then to draw others into that by being Christ, by being connected to him. So may God forgive us where we forget to be. May he help us to see that it's not just simply the struggles we have in our own lives, but the fact of celebrating Christ, celebrating the encounter, celebrating that God became fully human, which is one of the things Maximus, the confessor, was persecuted for. That God so entered our humanity that he even had to live not only making choices as the divine son of God, but to work with a human mechanism of making choices, exercising his will. That's how fully human he's become.